Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tight Wad Tech, episode 127. Not so unlimited anymore. Recorded March 1st, 1st, 4th. I'm not even going to edit that. Recorded March 4th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Oh. Mark, the consummate professional. Ah, screw it. <laughs> you know, it's just being honest, right? Right. Actually, I, I kind of like it um, when people uh, let you know they're human. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Leo Laporte does a good job of that. Right. And uh, Steve Cherubino, I'm, I know he's not listening, but some of our audience is, is also some of his audience, he, uh, particularly on like Android App Addicts. He only does a couple of shows anymore. Android App Addicts is, is the one that he's still pretty much the grand poobah of. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, can, I can count at least half a dozen times in the recent past, the recording will say something like, oh, I got to go back and edit that out. And then it's 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 there. He didn't edit it out. It's, it's he all uh, good intentions, but when it comes time to edit it, he's got better things to do. Um, and it just makes me laugh. <laughs> it's called a marker. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not not that difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think about that because not not all software allows you to do that. It's one of the things I, I love about Audacity. Control M. There's a little marker. You put a label on it. And you go, but uh, I don't know. Some some folks hate editing. He's he's often said he hates editing, but uh, uh, so I think that's just what it, he just gets to and go. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad after all. Now that right. I think about it, right? <laughs> Hi, Sean. How you doing? Good. I am wonderful. I'm wonderful. I was actually a little tired. You know, it's funny. Mondays are like that for me, right? It's kind of typical. You're starting the week off. You're sort of coming off the weekend and seems like every Monday before as I'm getting set up, I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm dragging. And then I don't know what it is, but sit down in front of the mic and now I'm pumped up and ready to go. That's right. Lights, camera, action. That's right. Um, I had something I was going to say and then totally lost it in that <laughs> discussion. Oh, yeah. Um, Adam Savage of the Mythbusters yes. has a podcast. I've mentioned it before. Uh, it's called Still Untitled which I think is great. They couldn't come up with a title, so eventually that became the title. Uh, right. But they developed sort of organically this thing. It's uh, it's him and two of his, his buddies, where for about the first 15 to 20 minutes of the show, they just talk about whatever, and then they always apologize for it and then go on with the content. And, and it's like, you know, they, they, they did that accidentally and apologized for it. We planned for it. There's a whole section of the show in the notes specifically for – Small talk that doesn't have anything to do with the show. I just think right. that's funny. We uh, we plan that. We like that. Yeah. Well, you know, think about. And Mark, we've had this discussion before, but it's like when you're listening to your your local drive time DJs, whatever morning show you listen to in the car. I don't know if people still do that anymore, but uh, you know, they have that. They have that banter, right? They just right. go off on tangents and you know talk about their kids or you know whatever. Um, and it, you know that that adds personality you know you kind of start to identify with the host so we had always kind of hoped that that would do the same for us i got an email this week uh from a listener and in in the same email he said something that both uh made me feel good and insulted me all at the same time i I don't think he meant to uh but he was referring to something and i and i wrote back i don't i don't even know what that is and he said well i listen to you guys so much i guess i overestimate the similarity of our lives 
you know, because it, it's something he was supposed to know, and I, that made me feel good. It's like, yeah, we're 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 part of your family, right? You you listen to us. Uh, if you listen to more than one show, it might be three or four times a week that you listen to us. We you assume that uh, we're part of your life, which is great. And later on in the email, he had a subject, and he said, "I can't wait to hear you rant about that." And I thought, oh, so that's my res- that's my reputation. I'm the guy what rants. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he You're feels the like the old guy. That's right. <laughs> Get off wrong. my lawn. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I guess I'm okay with that. I, I can wear that mantle. Uh, yeah. But it's it's funny how that's developed. Because um, maybe that's it, Mark. Maybe we're going to become what are the Muppets? The two Muppets that sit up yeah, in Statler the, and in Waldorf. The Statler and yeah. Waldorf. Is that who we're, we're going to become? <laughs> something. I, I don't know that we're becoming them. I think we are them. Yeah. Already. Probably. Probably. So you have a, have a new tight waterproof project you want to share with us. Yeah, Mark, I thought you might enjoy this. So uh, uh, to, to kind of paint the scene, uh, my school district, and this is a very small town, uh, has a sign, like a digital sign that is actually down on the town square. And the community has really adopted this sign sort of as their own. Uh, we won't just slap anything up there, but we do uh, not only school announcements, school-related announcements, but, you know, we'll put the odd... Uh, you know, special church meeting or family reunion or whatever. We'll put other messages up there. So uh, it's it's a big deal in the community, this sign. And uh, because it is, I find myself uh, updating it, putting some sort of new post on it. Probably, I'm going to guess, somewhere around 50 times a year. Right. Once a uh, week. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now the problem is, is I'm kind of anal about this. And sometimes this sign can be a little bit buggy. It's got ancient software. Uh, it's an rs-232 serial port connection yeah right right so it's just it's one of those things that you know you can send a message through and even uh, a lot of times it'll error out and you might have to try to send it three or four times before it actually tells you that it it went through but i've found that even when it tells you it goes through it doesn't always necessarily go through or it doesn't have the desired effect and the message doesn't look the way you thought it would and things like that so Uh, let me let me stop you there let me lay a little backdrop on you okay when this thing was put in about 10 years ago um it was literally right out front of the administration building for the school uh, and we yeah. had a we had a hard a hard line cable that serial cable uh, running to it, and then you know when they were installing it, I thought, is that really a good idea to run a cable like that over the street? And the guys were like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. Well, one good lightning strike uh, show proved me right on that one. So we went with a wireless. Um, it's still RS two thirty two. It's serial, but it's wireless on on the pole at the sign and wireless at the computer. And uh, so that was fine for a while. Well, eventually the school left that building. They no longer use it. They they uh, uh, gave it to another local entity. So it's no longer a building that that school owns. Yet the computer the that controls that sign is hardwired in a sense to that sign. Uh, so there's no the so it was a, a ridiculous chain of events. So there's a computer over there that is sitting in the public library, plugged right. into their internet connection that we connect to that Sean connects to via um logmein.com just so that they can tr- control this one stupid sign right um, and the the public library is like we'll take it over you know we'll do it for you you don't have to do all that but the but the school was like no we paid for that it was very expensive it's our sign uh, we just want you to you know let us have a small uh, piece of it so so when when Sean is about to tell you this that's the context of it. he is now about 4 miles away 
um, and and remoting out over the internet to the sign that uh, to the computer that controls the sign, not being able to see either of them. Right. Well, and the the computer that originally, or well, I shouldn't say originally, but the uh, as of about a week ago, computer uh, was a very old computer. Uh, fans were loud, you know, they were kind of worn out fans on it and everything. So anytime I'd go over there and have to deal with this thing, that's that was the first complaint I'd hear is, can I do something about that computer? It's loud. And of course, oh, me, you don't want to... One more piece of information. <laughs> Up until very recently, the software that controls that computer required Windows 95. That's how old this thing is. Right. Okay, go ahead. Right. And the computer uh, probably at one point originally ran Windows 95 too. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, so you know, uh, Mark, and you'll, you'll remember this computer. Uh, so we had this one-off computer that a vendor had us test out or something. Uh, Lenny Lenovo. You remember yes. Lenny? Yeah, good Lenny. Yeah, yeah, we like to to uh, name our sort of bench test computers, and uh, so Lenny uh, was named. And uh, since he was a one-off, I really, you know, I it's a decent computer. I mean, dual core processor, two gigs of RAM. I think uh, you know n- nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's running Windows XP. So I went ahead and repurposed Lenny Lenovo to replace the old sign computer and uh, installed the software and that all went smoothly because I was really quite honestly I was pretty nervous about it uh, because the software and the whole serial thing and it is old and uh, but that worked out just fine um, so I'm thinking while I'm doing this uh, and because I'm going back to you know every time I update the sign I immediately go jump in my car and drive downtown to verify that the sign is working, you know, the message went through and everything looks fine. And uh, so I'm doing this, you know, weekly uh, during school year, once or twice a week. Sometimes you drive down there, it's not the the message you want. So then you drive back to the school, try it again, you know, and I, I know, you know, I could take a laptop over there and, you know, there's things I can do. But anyway, it's just more hassle than it really should be. So I got to thinking and I said, I need to just put a camera on this thing, point it at the sign. I'm already remoted into the computer and I can put the message through and then I can visually see that it's actually what's showing on the sign. So that was my original idea. And I tried uh, one of these, uh, we have these Logitech Pro 9000, I think, uh, webcam. Great cameras, great cameras. They are great cameras, but when you're trying to look at something that's about 150 feet away, uh, it just couldn't quite make it out. It just wasn't giving me the definition I needed. So, uh, so I wanted to go with a different option. So I start looking and I come across basically uh, outdoor wireless IP camera. So this really a security type camera. Um, but I'm seeing that, hey, you know, these things are fairly cheap. So I find a WANS View outdoor wireless IP camera for 80 bucks, uh, get an, uh, an access point because basically I have to set up my own little wireless network there now. Um, and uh, so I get a wireless access point and a wireless USB adapter for the actual computer so the two of them can talk and we can make this little, uh, little network uh, work. And uh, so all told, but $130, good solid camera. Can read the sign just perfectly. I'm happy. <laughs> so is the camera mounted outside? It is. I, I got a I got an outdoor camera so that I could mount it outside, you know, and not have to shoot through a window where maybe I'll get some glare in the afternoon or something like that. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, great solution. I thought that was 
you know, I, I thought that was tight waterproofed. You could do it for a little bit less. I mean, I actually got a little bit higher quality camera at $80. You could get a camera, uh, probably a halfway decent camera for 40 or $50. Yeah. I've, I've considered here in, in the pod pod, uh, setting up some IP cameras because right now I just use the camera on my laptop and it's, it's a very tight view because my laptop's right in front of me. I thought about putting up some cameras and I've looked at, you know, video cameras and, and, uh, uh, television cameras and all, and then it, it, I think that just like a, a 1.2 or 2.4 megapixel security camera would probably do the same thing, and I could get wireless. And I, I've considered doing that here in in ye oldie pod pod. I've just never done it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, it all just depends on how much money you want to spend. But you know, they've got these systems now. I mean, you can spend like five hundred dollars and get a sixteen camera system, wireless camera system with, right. uh, you know. Uh, that you put in your house and you can remote into and you know all this kind of stuff so um, yeah I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought it was cool I was kind of proud of it and it certainly scratched an itch right uh, just a bit of, of, of a programming note um, that I don't really have anything to tell you yet but this is just sort of a warning things are coming uh, in uh, four shows from today we will complete our third year of uh tightwad tech is that right we're moving yep. into our third year or completing our third year no uh april 1st right we started april 1st april 1st will be our third year right was it starting our third year or ending our third year it's starting it's ending yeah oh yeah so, yeah i thought it was ending because i yeah. thought last year we celebrated two years right total. so it's 2010 2011 and all of 2012 so yeah we'll be our third year and this show has uh, uh morphed greatly from episode zero uh, all the way back then. Uh, and, you know, Sean and I were talking about this uh, last week. Actually, it's been a, an ongoing conversation. But the two guys that started this show literally do not exist anymore. Um, you know, I mean, we're the same people with the same names, but our lives are very different. Our jobs are very different. And and those of you who've been around for a long time, the show is very different. We're, uh, you know, the show tagline is you know a, a show about technology by and for those in the education field uh, that's only half true anymore you know i'm not in the education field anymore uh we've we really don't do a lot of education topics anymore so we are recognizing the reality that things are changing so this show is is in store for a reboot in the near future we're not sure what we're going to do um and we're we're not going to change the feed or anything, but we're just going to we're going to make the what we say the show is more closely reflect reflect what the show actually is um, is is a is a good way to put that. So, right. um, uh, and I think our third year anniversary is probably a good time to do that. So that's the that's sort of the target we're looking at, and we're not going anywhere. I'm not killing the show. Uh, if if you've been following. Um, the element Opie shows on the network. We've we've killed some. We've put some on pause. You know, I'm I'm sort of cleaning house, and it's because all across the board we've been promising one thing and delivering another. And it's not that what we were delivering wasn't good. It's just not what we said we were going to deliver. So we're we're sort of truing things up, and I, I I'm sort of looking at doing fewer shows and doing them better um, than we were. So the Taiwan Tech is is going to go away in its as and in name only so just a you know a word of warning about that i'll I'll give you more details as we have more details sean and i are still fleshing that out but we're uh probably going to be bringing on um some new 
some new voices. I started to say faces, but it's an audio show, and some some new topics. And we're we're just going to go in a uh, a slightly different direction. But hang with us. As like we said at the beginning of the show, uh, a lot of the people are here for us and not so much for the content. Some are here for the content, but uh, over the last three years, we've become family. So our fam, your family's not going anywhere. We're just going to change our focus a little bit. So there you go. That's uh, as cryptic as I can get because right. <laughs> we don't have details yet. I don't want to promise you anything that's not that's not going to come about. So I, I just want to say that things are – we recognize, you know, I'm getting some feedback now. And it's, 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 it's gentle feedback. It's subtle feedback. People, uh, people love us, and they don't want to hurt our feelings. Well, except for the ones who do like to hurt our feelings. Um, and they're letting us know that, you know, the show's not what it used to be. And, you, and we recognize that. And we're just trying to figure out what we want to make it. So um, there you go. Uh, we will, yeah. we'll, the Taiwan Tech is going to die in the near future. But what, what the show becomes will hopefully be, you know, uh, a metamorphosis. The, the caterpillar is dying so that the butterfly can live. Right, right. And as Element535 in the chat room says, good idea. So uh, if you have any good ideas... <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to shoot them our way. You know, we give our contact info out at the end of each show, and uh, we're always looking for listener feedback. So if there's anything you'd like to see, you think you'd love to hear us talk about, uh, shoot it our way. We're, we're taking uh, all suggestions. All right. So while we're talking about things that are changing, uh, the, the titular um, topic of the show, uh, Pandora has decided they're not unlimited anymore. They've done this before. This is a refrain you, refrain you have heard before. They were unlimited, then they were not unlimited, then they were unlimited, and now they're not unlimited anymore. Yeah, well, actually, Mark, I found out, and I didn't know this, but they were originally not unlimited. At right. least this is, this is per Wikipedia, but yet when Pandora, because I've, I've heard people bemoaning this, right? And I, re- I recall this being like the second time because I, I right. seem to remember hearing something a couple, a year or two ago. But then I went and did my homework on this story and I'm like, Pandora, when they first started, was limited. Right. So uh, they're kind of just really going back to the way they started. Again. Again, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> wasn't it last year or something? They did like twenty-four hours worth or something. Yeah, I don't remember. They, they. I got the email one time that uh, you're in the top one percent of all users, and as a result, we're just letting you know that uh, you you may be in fact costing us money, and right. and so so on and so forth. And it's you know my daughter, um, my we have three, uh, uh, two Android tablets, two Android telephones a desktop computer and three laptops here in our house. Yeah. We, it's a geek family and we all use, um, one of two Pandora accounts cause the kids can't have Pandora accounts until they're 13. So they either use mine or my wife's depending on which one of us happened to set up their device first. And so my middle child likes to sleep with music on and rather than, you know, playing her MP3, she can get a wider variety of music by going to sleep with Pandora. So she literally puts it on her tablet and goes to sleep and lets it play all night long. And she's the reason <laughs> that Pandora is doing that. She and others like her uh, are putting a cap on uh, uh, mobile devices. The desktop is still going to be unlimited, but mobile devices are going to hit a roadblock. Yeah, well, you know, Mark, and again, in doing research for this, because I, I kind of got interested about it, found out that Pandora uh, 
actually pays like as a licensing fee, much like a yeah, radio station yeah. might per uh, play of a song. And it's like 12 one hundredths of a penny or something like that. But, you know, when you've got millions and millions of users listening to music all day long on this thing, uh, yeah, that's going to add up to a, a significant chunk of money, not to mention all of your bandwidth costs and everything else, you know, and running servers and, and whatnot. So, See, uh, back early, very early on when Pandora first started, uh, they were just scouring the Internet for files that people had published. So that they didn't have any content, they didn't have any servers themselves necessarily. They had a web crawler that would search the internet and find where people had stuck their files, and then their player would go out and reach out to those files. Um, and the RIA and other type of such organizations came down on them and said, "You can't do that." Uh, and then they worked out a, a licensing deal. Uh, where they became really, you know, much more like an internet, uh, uh, excuse me, a radio station, an internet-based radio station, and and it's been good for Pandora. Uh, then they could legitimize the whole thing. They could have uh, sponsorships, um, and so you have the ads that pop through every now and again. And they uh, artists can pay to have their music on Pandora. That's why you can't skip, by the way, uh, because some of those artists are paid to be there. And then on their mobile platforms, especially. The popover ads have just become insane. They're all over the place. You can't touch the interface in any way without setting off an ad. <laughs> right. Uh, um, and so there, it, it became clear to me in the last six months or so that they're having money issues because they've started using more underhanded ways of getting you to click on ads. Uh, and so they're, they're finally sort of saying, all right, we can't afford this anymore. Knock it off. Yeah. But what is it? It's, it's five bucks a month or something. It's not much to get the unlimited ad-free streaming. Yeah, I, I actually thought it was less than that. I thought it was like a dollar. but Or maybe it's uh, once you hit your limit, then another 99 cents will get you through the end of the month. I don't know. It's something, um, yeah, something very reasonable, I guess, if you really like Pandora. The one thing I liked about Pandora was sometimes it would turn me on to music or songs that I wouldn't <clears throat> normally have gone out and found on my own. So it's kind of neat how it worked that way with that algorithm that it has to find similar types of music. Um, uh, me personally, I've shifted totally away from Pandora and um, I use Spotify and I am a happy subscriber of Spotify, but um, it, it's a totally different system. Uh, so it just depends on how you like to listen to music, I guess. Yeah, Spotify is a playlist and Pandora is a radio station. It just sort of depends yeah. on how you want to curate that. Yeah, and you know, it has a little bit, it's a little more, although I think Pandora has maybe some social aspect to it, but Spotify is heavily social. So, you know, the idea is to go and find other like-minded people who like music like yours and listen to their playlists and um, maybe friends on Facebook and, you know, see what they're listening to and things like that. Um, the big one that I like is that uh, with Spotify, I get to listen to my music. Since I'm a paid subscriber, I get to listen to all of my playlists offline. So right. I can download them and listen to them offline across all of my devices. So that's the big one for me. Um, but prior to that, I was all about Pandora too. I just never, I was not one of those top tier people eating up all the bandwidth. So I never had to worry about that. Yeah, and Spotify is great because they have all the artists out there. I mean, they, you know, there are a few little known artists that they don't have, like you know the Beatles. If anybody cares about them, then they're going to have to right. go someplace else. But right. they've really got all the important artists. But nobody has the Beatles except for exactly. uh, iTunes. Finally got them, right? You know, uh, so that's that's one of the uh, e easy uh, uh, easy 
low-hanging fruit to pick on about Spotify is, is some of the, the major uh, names that people would, you know, really want they don't have. But, you know, that's weird. I'm not, I'm not a big Spotify user because I don't want to curate my playlist. I just want music thrown at me. So that's why right. I prefer Pandora. And that is the beauty of Pandora. I mean, you can just jump on there, enter an artist, and you're going to get music from that artist and other people who kind of are in the same you know genre and sound yeah. so of course i once thumbed up the song somewhere over the rainbow <laughs> and now i hear every rendition of that song blues hip-hop latin whatever you know every, every version of somewhere over the rainbow sometimes they will play like literally that same song four times in a row and different recordings of it so you uh, have to be careful with pandora ray charles that's yeah. my favorite rendition what's your favorite rendition of over the rainbow uh, actually, it's a, a Hawaiian ukulele guy. I can't remember his name, but it's a... Uh, oh, uh, it's not a Tiny Tim, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And it's, yeah. a, it's a great little version. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the song Hallelujah uh, that uh, this generation came to know through Shrek. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what's that country singer? Katie something or other. Katie Lang? Katie, Katie Lang. That's it. Yeah, KD, not Katie. Did the yeah. best version of that song ever and in fact the the guy who wrote it i'm really having a hard time with names tonight uh was at the concert where she did that and he stood up and gave her a standing ovation so that's the best rendition of that song he's ever heard um and i i thumbed up that one once and now i hear every version of hallelujah ever recorded every time i listen to pandora <laughs> the harlem gospel trial choir does yeah hallelujah so if only, you know, uh, Pandora could refine their search algorithms and, and find a better way to give you what you want. That would be cool. You know anybody who's doing that? Uh, search, search algorithms? God, that was the perfect transition, and you dropped it. I was, I was still thinking music. Uh, no, no, that's Google. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm all over it. Although I'm still wondering how I'm going to go from music to Google, but Google. Has I gave it to you. Stuff. The search engine, yeah. the algorithm, the improving the way you find things. <laughs> well, All right. Now this, I may have to edit out. Come on. That's, that's just, that's unprofessional. Was it, was that horrible? That was, was that horrible. <laughs> yeah. I was asleep at the wheel. <laughs> I work hard to give you these transitions, man, <laughs> man. I'm not the transition guy. That's you. <laughs> Uh, I'm the research guy. I like being that. Okay, so what we're, uh, you know, bantering back and forth on is uh, Google Search has a field trial going right now. I just found out about this today, stumbling around the interwebs. And uh, you can go, we actually will have a link in the show notes, but you can go to this field trial. If you just search a Google Search field trial, you'll probably find it. Uh, but basically, Google is running tests right now that's expanding the search functionality and uh, and kind of integrating some of your other Google products into that Google search bar. Uh, so things like when you type in a query into the Google search bar, uh, it may pop up like related calendar items, like if you've got something on your calendar that might be related to that topic, um, or emails in your inbox that uh, that might relate to that, or Google Drive files. Um, basically anything that, that Google has indexed, uh, so in addition to any web results and all that kind of stuff, shopping results and everything else, if you have something in your personal life that relates to that, it's going to pop it up. 
Uh, I signed up for the trial. Uh, now the problem with this, and they don't really tell you up front. So you go to this site and you click, yeah, join the trial. Um, and then it seems like nothing happens. Uh, a couple of things you have to look out for here. If you're using a Google apps for domains account, uh, you can't be part of the trial. So it has to be an actual Gmail account. Uh, and then, uh, like another- everything they do, they leave out apps accounts all the time. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, uh, we're going to not do apps for domains, and then we're going to do regular Gmail, and then, oh, it's working great, and then like a year later, they finally decide to integrate it into apps, uh, which is frustrating, yeah, when you're a school district using apps for domains. But uh, anyway, uh, also, uh, you're going to receive, once you sign up for this, at some point in the future, you'll receive an email, and that's if they even choose you to be part of the field trial. So I signed up today, didn't see anything by the end of the day, so it's not anything that's happening immediately, that's for sure. Um, But I thought it'd be interesting. I want to see, you know, off the top, looking at it, I'm like, I just don't see it being that useful. Um, But who knows? It might surprise me. Privacy advocates, tinfoil hat folks, bandana guys, you may run screaming now. You're basically giving Google permission to index your entire life. And say, oh yeah, you see these silos I had over here? Let's go ahead and break down all those walls. I just want you to have all the information you have about me in one nice big fat blob. Take all my search histories, all my calendar events, all my emails. Go ahead and scan all the content. You've been scanning them for ads, but now let's go ahead and actually read it and understand the content of it so that you can serve things up to me better. Uh, And while you're at that, go ahead and look at all my docs and read all of those and translate those into uh, understandable metadata uh, rather than just being aware that they're there. Let's Let's look at what's inside them all so that you can give me better search results. I, I drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. You know, like I said, I signed up for it. Uh, the I mark of the beast, man. This is the mark of the beast. I'm telling That's you. Right. End of the end of times. Uh, here, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right, though. I know. I, I, I'm actually surprised that when I was researching this particular one that I didn't already see that stuff popping up. So uh, it, it's sure to come. Um, and certainly if they like roll it out to everybody, you know, because big companies like that have no history of doing that, right? Oh, right. you're uh, all of a sudden part of this. <laughs> right. And oh, by the way, uh, two weeks after we've been blasted in the media, uh, we've come up with a way for you to turn it off. Right. It's this really obscure thing that you have to follow through a uh, hundred links to get to. But <laughs> that's, that's, they got bitten with Google Buzz like that. Gmail user, now you're a Buzz user. Congratulations. Right. And, and less so with Google Plus. Hey, by the way, you have a Google Plus account now. Good job. Um, right. And people are like, wait, I didn't want either of these. So now they're. They're test rolling it out, and then later they'll dump it on you. But I'm with you, man. I, the that's that's all the that's fine. I don't I don't care. You know, um, yeah. if somebody at Google wants to read my email, okay, go ahead. I mean, there's there, I'm not dealing in trades, uh, state secrets or anything. It's just it's fine. It's it's my wife and I talking about what we want for dinner and 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 adding things to the shopping list. You know, that's that's my email or, or show notes for stuff like this. It's it's all stuff that I'm going to publish anyway, so I don't worry about it. Um, but, I, you know, I understand that privacy is important to some people, the illusion of privacy. I don't think there any, is any such thing as privacy, but some people cling to that illusion more than others. 
Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I was having this discussion with the, with my assistant the other day and I said, you know, fundamentally, I actually fall on the side of, of privacy and particularly when it, when it comes to like government and things like that, right? Like we should, we should have that expectation of some privacy and, uh, you know, big brother not having that ability, uh, because that's, that's too big a responsibility and it's always abused. Um, but that's that's more as a as a governmental thing you know when we're talking about a business uh certainly i should have the option to uh you know to to remain private you know or or use or not use somebody's uh, uh services but you know that's usually not the argument you hear it is it's the tinfoil hat guy going they care, you know, like they really care about your life. They really care who you are and what you're doing. They could care less. It's the, uh, it's the, there's a classic disconnect, and I'm not the first person to notice this. It's been written about before, between the American mindset and the European mindset. In America, by and large, um, you know, uh, oversimplifying to prove a point, we distrust government and we trust business. Uh, we're okay with Google having this information, but if the federal government had this information, we'd be throwing a fit. Oh, yeah. In Europe, they trust government, they distrust business. So Google's getting on all sorts of trouble. They're having to blur out uh, faces in Germany. But uh, the government, yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you everything I know. You you can go ahead and tap my phones and, and go ahead. I trust the government. And yeah. it's it's neither of those are rational standpoints, frankly. <laughs> They're both stupid. Uh, right. But it's just, you know, whichever stupidity you grow up with is the one with which you're comfortable well, I'm, I'm, I've got the good old USA brand version of stupidity. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I trust Google. I don't trust the government. But That's the right. fact is I can affect government far more easily than I can affect Google. I can right. vote in a new president. I can't vote in a new CEO at Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was I ranting there? I do that. You sometimes. were ranting a little bit. That's all right, though. That's that's Yeah. There's those those guys that love to hear your rants, yes. Mark. So speaking of sensationalism, one of our favorite pastimes here is to pick up sensational headlines and and rag on them. I I, I made this comment just last night in the uh, Everyday Linux show. There are two two classes of people who work uh, in the media. There's the article writer. His job is to give you information. There's the headline writer. His job is to get you to click. And those two yep. don't necessarily even know each other. The headline writer often has not even read the article. And so this is another great headline that uh, is completely taken apart once you actually read the article. Yeah, and this comes from, uh, I, I use several sites in prepping for this show. I like, to, I like them to be at least somewhat reputable. Um, uh, but, you know, going out there, just looking for what's what's going on in, in the tech world, anything that I've missed or whatever. And so CNET.com, I like them. They have a pretty broad range. And for the most part, their stuff is uh, is reliable. And uh, this story is actually reliable, like you said, Mark, when you get down into the story and actually read the story. But the headline says, jailed hacker allowed into IT class hacks prison computers. So. What's that sound like to you? It sounds like he, you know, hacked into the, you know, he knows all the guards' information, but possibly could be unlocking and locking gates yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they let this hardened criminal, uh, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, they let him into the computer lab and uh, and let him sit in on a class, and before long, he'd let all the prisoners out and was bringing down 747s. Right, right. 
So, uh, the, and this, this article was unique. In You're not going to give me any props for the bad 80s Nicolas Cage movie reference? Really? You're just going to fly right over that one? That was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess only the listeners of our show could appreciate that. Too, right? It's not like we have 23-year-olds listening to the show. They're like, huh? What? <laughs> Put the bunny back in the box. Right. Sorry, go ahead. So anyway, uh, this this article was great because it actually had two of these instances uh, inside of it. So uh, so this first line, yes, it talks about he hacks prison computers. Well, when you read the actual article, what you get is it's not like he hacked the prison mainframe. This was a closed network of prisoner only access computers, like a little, like you said, Mark, like a computer lab that that prisoners have access to that is completely disconnected from the network. Doesn't right. have internet or anything else, you know? Uh, so, so this guy in hacking these computers, uh, couldn't really do very much, you know, probably just showing off to other prisoners. I, you know, they never did actually say that he accomplished anything of significance. Uh, so the second part of this sensational part of this was that, uh, Nicholas Weber, who is the, uh, I guess he's a, a sort of hacker of some fame, that he was uh, serving five years for creating a hacker forum site. Um, and that, you know, somehow he's invited into IT class in jail. So, you know, that kind of caught me off guard. And I think this is in, this is in the UK uh, where this uh, story happened. So I'm thinking, man, that's that's kind of brutal. He's serving five years for running a kind of rogue website where hackers get together and, you know, trade secrets. Uh, but no, again, that's what you would assume by reading that. But uh, he's serving five years for basically having used, he'd hacked people's personal information, banking information, credit card information, whatever, and was using that to purchase like high dollar vacations and uh, iDevices and all kinds of stuff like that. So he's basically stealing. Um, so yeah, he didn't just run a hacking forum. Of course he did that too, but, uh, but really the reason he's in jail is he uh, theft, right? you know? So, so yes, that's, that's my sensational story of the week. And I thought, uh, it, it just, it makes me sick. I mean, even when a semi reputable site like CNET, uh, is resorting to these sorts of tactics. Well, to be fair, uh, CNET is spending a lot of the article ripping apart, the the uk site the mail uh and and talking about an article they wrote so it they're being a little more uh it, it displaying a little more journalistic integrity but not a whole lot more right right <laughs> yeah i mean certainly if i'd seen this anywhere else i'd almost be it would almost be expected but given that it was on the site that it was i was like oh, come on guys you, you're trying a little too hard right so, speaking of people who've been trying too hard for a very long time, I mentioned them earlier, the RIAA. Yes. People who want you to pay for music. Um, you know, uh, the, the trope has been around so long now that information wants to be free, but nobody ever says music wants to be free until recently. Yeah, well, um, Mark, one, this was just an article. It was written by a, a gentleman named Steve Gutenberg who is not really even a real reporter. He sort of does some freelance writing on the side. And, uh, but you know, he had this article and it was a poll about, you know, do you Plus feel he did all those, uh, cops, uh, those movies in the eighties about, uh, police Academy. So it, that, that is the same name, isn't it? Right. 
Yeah, Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, not that Steve Gutenberg. Uh, but uh, so, you know, in his article, he, he talks about, you know, what if uh, we don't pay for music and, you know, uh, artists and bands basically will not produce these great bodies of work like we've seen in the past because they're not going to make any money off of them. So that was kind of the gist of his article. But, you know, also along with that article went a uh, poll and you had to, it's like any other poll, you've got to vote in it before you can see the results. So I voted and uh, it basically said, you know, do you feel any obligation to buy recorded music? And uh, I responded, yes. You know, I feel like the artist puts some certain amount of work into something. They should get paid, you know, uh, you know, I just feel like that's a fair thing to do, right? If I enjoy their music, uh, 64% at that time agreed with me uh 17% said no but they'd go to their concerts and buy their merchandise and 19% said no bands just use music to promote their shows so that was interesting uh it kind of fell along the lines i would have expected but that really got me to thinking and mark uh you know i know you have some history playing in a band and uh uh you know you have that sort of uh perspective on things my assistant that works for me now used to play in a band um and he has sort of that same perspective and i know for him he he has no problem ripping off music i mean absolutely has no problem ripping off music and his justification for it is that well the bands don't really get that money anyway and that they make their money at the shows um selling merchandise and selling concert tickets and things like that uh, I don't have enough perspective into that world to know if that's a true statement or not. Um, so I, I was really kind of curious, Mark, what your take on all this is. Well, I am an expert on this subject because I've watched almost every episode of VH1's Behind the Music. So clearly, <laughs> uh, I know whereof I speak. No, I, I, I was, uh, I pursued music as a career for a while. Not, I wasn't very good at it. Uh, but at least it was enough for me to gather some perspective. And and Johnny, we, we can say his name. I don't think you'll mind. Is absolutely right. Artists make almost no money on record sales. They make their money on the concerts and on the merchandise. Um, that's why every artist you see um, who has a breakout hit on their first album, the next article you read about them is that they're in a contract dispute with their label, trying to get out of their deal. Because you take a bad deal just so you can get some some publicity and fame, and then you try to get out of it as soon as possible. Uh, but there is value to what the record labels bring. For example, those sold-out rock arenas wouldn't exist without RCA and Sony behind them. Somebody's got to have some deep pockets to put up the money for those venues. And and yeah, it's, it's a lucrative thing. They make a lot of money on the back end, but you got to have a lot of money on the front end to be able to do it. So... Right. Um, uh, labels have put out that kind of money. We're talking billions of dollars here uh, because they make money on the record sales. So it's really, it's not as parasitic as people like to think. The bands are making money hand over fist for the, the record industry on the sales. They see you buy a $15 CD. Do people still buy CDs? Uh, you buy a $15 CD at Hastings. Yeah, I'm showing you how old I am. Um, and the, the label... Uh, gets you know the the store gets of that fifteen dollars the store gets like three dollars the middleman gets another three dollars the label gets nine dollars and the artist gets fifty six cents um, and that's that's just the way it is 
But when you go to the concert and you shuck out a hundred bucks to to see um, you know your favorite band at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, the band is getting like eighty dollars of that. So they're that's where they're making their money. It's just in in one couldn't oh, do it without the other. Thirty dollar, two dollar t shirts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so they're selling their their t-shirts and their and and they're selling their albums there and all that sort of stuff, you know, and and the the bandana that they imported from China for 38 cents that they're selling for $18. Uh that's where they make their money. So there's plenty of money to go around is my point. Uh the artists all say they're being ripped off by the labels, the labels all say they're being ripped off by the listeners, but the fact is nobody's going broke on this deal. Um, right. Having said that, I don't steal music because as a musician when I put an album out for sale, I wanted people to pay for it. So, you know, I have a, a fairly extensive collection of music, a very extensive collection of movies, and they're all legal. Just because that's, you know, that's me. I understand that, that Johnny has no problem ripping off bands, and most people don't. And in fact, I think, I think this article is right, that in the future, uh, record sales... Are, are going to plummet like for example now it, it's already changed you used to buy uh, a 10 albums uh a 10 song album because you liked one song well now you go to itunes and you download that one song well when that you know that is already starting to happen you're starting to see artists just releasing singles on itunes and not releasing albums and i think that's going to continue and so yes the body of work is going to decrease but the crappy songs that they put on there just to fulfill their complic- uh, uh, uh what's the word contractual obligations to put out a ten song CD, those bad songs aren't going to be released. So yeah, the body of work will reduce, but it'll be a higher quality body. That's what I think. Well, and you know when it comes down to because that's I'm the same way. I'm like I, I have no problem paying for music. It's a product I like. And, uh, so I'm going to pay for it. And I, I just, I have that higher level view kind of what you described, Mark is, you know, money drives the machine. Right. And if you, if you pull money out of the equation, then there's no machine. And then what you have is a bunch of, uh, uh, garage bands releasing stuff on Facebook. And that's how you have to go out and find the song you like. Um, I, you know, so to some degree, I, I, I like the way that it works. Um, and like you said, nobody nobody's going broke over the deal. Right. And speaking so. of people who aren't going broke, iTunes uh, has recently been required to shuck out five bucks. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, to people who had kids download stuff. When I get my five dollars, not only by the way, not in real money, in iTunes credit. Yeah. Um, it will be roughly one twentieth of what my daughters had racked up in a matter of minutes playing tap fish and tap zoo well they do have and this is interesting because they're actually in court kind of fleshing out what apple has to do right and this is uh, what mark referenced is really the, the sort of gist of the overall kind of where they're they're uh, sort of honing in on uh is that uh roughly 23 they, they figured roughly 23 million itunes account holders may uh you know fall into this suit uh and uh you know had children who because it's already been determined that they 
they really didn't make it hard enough. They made it too easy for kids who were using, you know, their parents' eye devices or, or just an eye device in general to make these in-app purchases. And we've heard the stories time and again, you know, where some kid racked up, you know, $5,000 worth of iTunes charges before his parents realized it and uh, that kind of stuff. So that's what this suit's all about. Uh, it's already been determined that Apple was wrong and needs to pay out something, and that's what they're trying to figure out. Uh, what's, what is nice because see, I have one, I just have one of those, but, uh, when I first got my iPad, uh, I didn't know better that, you know, you could turn off in-app right. purchases and, you know, anything through the, uh, iTunes store you could, uh, or the app store, you could require entering your credentials before it would download it and that kind of thing. I didn't know that up front. And I, I think that's basically kind of where it was is most people didn't realize that. Um, but, I learned the hard way and it was a $15 app. So, uh, there is, you know, they are sort of working on, you know, well, if you had more than that, that you can actually submit for more than the $5. Um, but you know, there's no guarantee that it'll be approved, but you should at least get $5 in iTunes credit. And the judge in this case, as judges often are, is kind of a nudnik. Um, he's saying he's concerned that, uh, that the, the plaintiffs in this case, me are going to have to do too much. Um, okay. I kind of agree with you on that. Um, I don't want to have to go search out my history and go find the one app, uh, and, and then submit the amount, uh, that I need to get back just so that I can get, you know, iTunes credit. Although it does say here, if you spent more than $30, you can get cash back. But then he's got this weird line in there. He says, uh, Judge Davalia, Davila uh, also raised concerns about the plan to send out notices digitally, saying the U.S. Post Office could benefit from the business. What? Yeah, I thought that was a funny line. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think the U.S. Post Office just has to kind of, you know, give up. I mean, you know, give up the ship. It's going down, Just you know. Make it go down gracefully, but uh, it, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, we just have to wait for that generation of people to die off to, right. for it to finally be accepted, isn't? I mean, the we only time get junk I, mail in our email boxes. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost never send mail. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time I sent mail. Uh, I fax things sometimes. I email things a lot. Um, mm -hmm can't remember the last time I sent a mail, but I receive mail every day. And my mailbox, um, uh, halfway between the mailbox and the front door is a recycle bin. And most of the time, about 80% of the mail doesn't make it to the front door. I <laughs> just right. walk through and toss it all in the recycle bin uh, as I go. Yeah, I, and uh, I'm the same way, and I'm sure most Americans are. And not only that, but quite honestly... Uh, there are other options there that actually, I mean, right. that's why the postal service isn't doing that great because if you need to send something, you can send it usually cheaper and more effectively through, you know, FedEx or, right. uh, you know, um, oh, what's the other one? Uh, UPS. UPS. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, uh, it's not like if the post office went away, we wouldn't have options. Right. So, so like my, my daughter, uh, I've mentioned this before. My daughter was dying at the time. Uh, I downloaded on my iPad a free app for her. And within minutes, she had spent about $100 on in-app purchases. Uh, and, and she's a smart girl. She knows that when the password thing comes up, 
she can't go any farther. That means it's not free anymore. But these apps um, didn't didn't do that, and and that's what the lawsuit is all about. Is people are saying Apple didn't make it hard enough to buy in-app purchases, so that the parent, just like I did, downloads a free app, and I vetted the app, I looked at it, and made sure it was free. Um, and you know she's got this you know fish game, and it's like tap here to make the fish grow faster, and she does. And it grows faster. She's totally unaware of the fact that she just spent $5 of my money through my iTunes account. Um, and my other daughter on my wife's phone did the exact same thing on a different game, only it was set up to bill our phone bill. And so th- she didn't get any emails, no notifications. Just the phone bill came that month, and it was nearly $300. I was like, what the heck is this? Um, and both Apple and, in this case, AT&T uh, were like, oh, sorry about that. You know, you really should watch your apps better. We're not going to help you. Right. So I'm glad that this class action lawsuit is coming out. I'm generally not one who is fond of of court cases, but uh, something needs to be done about this. This is swindling. There's no other way to describe it. It is cheating people. Uh, It's fooling them because there's no way that you would know you were spending money. Even, you know, it was a kid that did it, but even if I was a grown-up, I wouldn't know that. Nothing in the game said that. Right. And, you know, I understand that, uh, you know, if you're Apple uh, and just the sheer volume of new apps that you have going up every every day and maybe, you know, updates to those apps and everything else, it, it's a nightmare to police. I mean, I, I think it's pretty much uh, virtually impossible. But to they police. don't have to police the but, apps, Sean. They, they control the point of sale. They control the money. So they... Well, right. And that's where I think, you know, something like this, you know, all they have to do is come down hard enough on developers who do that kind of stuff no all they have to do is say every time you make a purchase you must enter your password that's all there is to it the developers out of the loop the the game can be as misleading as possible but if every time money comes out of my itunes account i'm required to enter a password then they know that i'm not doing it accidentally and that's a that's like a five second code switch that some programmer could do flip the switch in the database and never again would anybody purchase something accidentally but they don't want to do that because they're making 70% of that purchase. Right. Well, and, you know, uh, uh, they also know that, uh, uh, you know, developers are going to be in an uproar over it. Right. And, uh, uh, of course, they won't be able to resort to the tactics they've been doing, you know, and nobody's going to want to play their games if every five seconds a login box right. is popping up. I misspoke. So. Apple takes 30%. The developer gets 70%. But So they want their 30% cut. So they want it to be easy to spend money. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, was I ranting again? I, I can't even tell anymore. That's why I picked these articles, Mark. <laughs> I, I have at this point. That's what I look for. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, Mark will go off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it just—he's like a little wind-up monkey. You just wind him up and let him go. It's great. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's our roundup of news of the week, Sean. What is our tip of the week, Mark? This is like the greatest find I've found in a long time. And this is just for me. I'm speaking personally for myself and others like me, which there are very few. But <laughs> it's, uh, this site is uh, called Fanhattan. So think of Manhattan and basically throw an F instead of the M. Man, fanhattan.com. Uh, now, the way I actually found out about this is they have an iOS app. And uh, so I installed it on my iPad and then uh, went to see if there was a web version. And sure enough, there was. Uh, if you are big into 
really watching movies at all, but uh, particularly streaming. And maybe if you do CD rentals, uh, uh, then it's great for that too. But this is like an aggregator for all of those services. So uh, my primary ones are Netflix and Amazon Prime. I have memberships to both. Uh, but, you know, the one frustrating thing is, is you kind of, you log into Netflix and you sort of browse through what they have. And, you know, if you're not quite finding after, you know, 15 minutes of looking around what you want to watch, then you hop over to Amazon Prime and you sort of browse through what they want. And uh, what Fanhattan does is it kind of flips things around. So you go onto their service or their, or their app and you look for a specific movie that you want to watch. Uh, Mark, you referenced uh, uh, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burg Burgundy. And if so that's looking what, forward to that sequel, by the way. Yeah, well, if that's what you were in the mood to see, uh, then you just go ahead and uh, enter that into their little search box. And, uh, and the whole interface is really nice. It did a great job with it. And it will pull that up and then it will show you all of the services where that movie is located. So it'll pull it up and say, you know, it's available for live streaming on Netflix and uh, CD rental on Netflix, Blu-ray, uh, Amazon Prime, whatever, uh, Hulu, Vudu, you know, any of the, uh, you know, tons of services out there and different ways that you might be able to get it. Um, if it's a current movie, it will show you a listing for Fandango and where you might be able to go and watch it and get nice. tickets. Uh, so, yeah, so it has all of this. So you don't really have to look around and decide, you know, and if you're even, uh, you know, I get all of my content streaming, but, um, you know, if you have even more uh, services than I have and you've got a Hulu Plus account and all this other stuff, um, it, it, it lists it there. Now it doesn't, it's not just on you now to say, oh, okay, so I need to go to Netflix to watch it. No, you just click a button right there in the interface. It takes you into the Netflix interface and begins playing it. Now, the first time you do it, you have to log into your Netflix account. But after that, it's seamless. And let me just tell you, the convenience factor, it was like when I found Fog. You know, when we found Fog, and right. we were just like, ah, life-changing. Uh, that's what Fanhattan is to me already. Day one, uh, I love it. Um, it has social tie-ins. So if you have other friends that are on it, uh, you know, I signed up with, uh, with, uh, my Facebook account. So, you know, you could see what your friends are, are watching, blah, 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 blah. If you want to do that, uh, you can set up watch lists. So, you, you know, you can keep an eye on a movie if you want to see, uh, you know, maybe it's not on Netflix right now, but maybe it will be, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but there's bad news. It's in private beta and it's closed. You can't get in. Ah, yes, but I found a fix for that, too. <laughs> now, uh, I will admittedly, no, I'm, I'm not like genius and, you know, hacked their system and figured the, this one out. I just stumbled upon it, and it was just the order of operation, and I just got lucky. Um, I installed it on the iPad first, and on the iPad, it doesn't say anything about being in beta. Uh, it just gives you the option to either set up an account through their service, and so, you know, you set up your own username and password, or you can connect with Facebook. Um, so I connected with Facebook. Then I went to the website and I saw, oh, they're in you know private beta, whatever. I'm like, but wait, I, I was just using it on the iPad. So I went to the login link and it gives me the same two options, create an account with them or log in with Facebook. I hit log in with Facebook, boom, I'm right in. So I didn't have to sign up for the whole private beta, wait for your magical email. Um, and I suspect that if I had gone the other route and signed up for an account on the 
uh, on the iPad rather than connect with Facebook, it probably would work the same as well. So if you have an iDevice, go get the app in the App Store, get hooked up with it there, then go to the web version and you should be able to get in by going to the login link. Um, well, I just tried it that way. I tried to log in with Facebook and it said I couldn't do it. I had to have an account. So From the iDevice? From the website. So yes. I, I went to the website first. I just wanted to see if I could right. just log in with Facebook there. That didn't work. Yeah. So you have, okay. So that confirms you have to, you have to do it on the iDevice first and then you can get in. Otherwise, if you don't have an iDevice, you can just go ahead and um, sign up for the beta. I'm sure like in three days, they're going to make you feel like you're the luckiest person alive and right. let you into their, their secret club. But, um, uh, and you keep hearing me say iDevice because as of yet, that's, that is one drawback. There's no Android app. Uh, they are working on it. And, uh, as evidence of that fact, I had, I went in and looked cause they were hiring and they're hiring like Android developers and Android engineers and stuff like that. So, um, you can see they obviously are, are, are interested in getting an Android app up soon. Um, but as of yet, uh, not so much, but certainly worth a check i mean just you got to check this thing out uh unless you just don't stream content don't stream movies at all don't do cd rentals um then maybe it's not for you but otherwise check it out fanhatton.com cool i will check it out and i just did a a search in the google play market just because i don't trust you and and it's not there <laughs> well as of about 10 o'clock this morning <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that would be, uh, I, as I was saying last week, I was joking or maybe, maybe not last, but recently I was joking that the, the Netflix recommendation engine is so good. It only recommends movies I already own. Um, right. so, uh, I was just this, just recently I was trying to top up my queue cause I had, I'd sort of run out of movies and I was like, you know, I know there's stuff out there. I just can't remember what it was. So I went to the, uh, blockbuster.com site and clicked on the upcoming new releases, but went yep. back like to December. What was new releases then are out on Netflix now. So I was, uh, I used that. Oh yeah, I remember that movie. I was, you know, Life of Pi. I remember seeing that ad. I kind of wanted to see it. So I threw it in my Netflix queue. And so that's a good way to build up your queue there. Uh, looks like Fanhattan takes all the, the brain out of it. Makes yeah, it and certainly all the all the site hopping and, you know, logging into this site and that site and everything else makes it a lot more convenient. So I'm already in love. Well, that's cool. And if you have a tip like Sean that you'd like uh, to share on the site, the way you can do that is go to elementopie.com. That's E-L-E-M-E-N-T space O-P-I-E. Well, actually, you don't put a space in the in the website, but it's two words, element and OP. And I say that because uh, people are finding us via YouTube now that we're putting our shows up there, and they've never heard of our website. And sometimes I say it so quickly, they don't get what it is. So it's element as in iron gold silver elements and opie as in the big bad motorcycle guy from sons of anarchy elements opie.com that's a more culturally uh relevant reference than opie taylor i'm discovering yes uh, so uh check it out there there's a contact us button right at the top of the page that will let you fill out a beautiful form that sends me an email you can uh, leave us a voicemail on the voicemail widget right at the top of the page or if you're driving right this moment and you can't do any of those things just pick up your phone and dial 559 i am opie from anywhere in the continental u.s and canada 
and uh, you can send us a voicemail that way, and we will play it on the air. That's a promise. We'll do it. So there you go. Contact us. Let us know. Look for things that are changing in the future. I'm excited. Um, I don't know. I can't. Like I said, I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I'm sure whatever it is, it will be cool. So yes. uh, there you go. That's the show, Sean, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, not me. I have to interject my normal, always, and so very truthful. Great show. Well, I was just letting you do that. Clearly, we can't end a show without that. <laughs> so thank you, Sean, for that pronouncement. And having heard that, there's nothing more to say, but this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.